rather crispy uh, Sunday. <laughs> but I do have a few announcements that I'm going to make since I've been kind of out of context for a couple of weeks. I want to say a few things just very, very quickly, um, and then a couple of personal things. First of all, there is a dinner fellowship, as Jace has mentioned, immediately after the service. And I want to go ahead when we pray, we're just going to bless that meal as well. Because sometimes there's a little bit of lingering in prayer, and then some can be going to get their children, and some can go and be forming the line, and uh, rather than just kind of tied, it's all going to bottleneck anyhow right there in that corner, so we might as well do our very best to alleviate some pressure. So make sure that you plan to stay uh, with us. These are very purposeful, uh, a dinner fellowship. It's not just because you can't go home and eat or go to a restaurant to eat. It's to create a fellowship the opportunity to get to know one another and you know it's a covenant we're a covenant family of faith amen so everybody's invited even if you didn't bring anything it matters not if we run out we'll have fellowship without food we don't care um, number two I want to say I want to thank sister Della Batters and uh, folks that help her and decor uh, she's just taken that to a whole new level especially since the gym is now something we're a little bit prouder about it looks a little bit better um, and with our little team they, and the kitchen team, there are people that are probably back there right now. And then there'll be the, some that'll head back there early to help prepare. Uh, I want to uh, commend them today. We appreciate them for doing that for us all. Amen. And lastly, there's a new thing back there today. And uh, Mr. Ralph Burton brought in his famous hot dog stand back there. And that's set up as well. I didn't know that was going to quite happen, but I'm excited. But definitely want the children to know because I think it is a little bit. You might not see it standing behind the crowd as you come in there. So that will be an exciting thing for us today. Amen? All right, a couple more announcements. Let me keep going down the list. Uh, Jay said... Uh, he said, you want me to make the announcements, you know, cause it don't, uh, and so I don't have to before I get spiritually minded. But, you know, I don't know. For whatever reasons, I like announcements. And uh, I, I feel the, the strength of them because we have a baby dedication soon. I was asked by Miss Nadia Watson if we could dedicate her baby. But before I commit to a date, I need to put the information out in case there is someone else that says, Pastor Brown, I'd like to be a part of that. See me today, and then we'll get it on the schedule in the next couple of weeks. And following that, if a child or an adult has professed faith in Christ and has not let us know as of yet, would like to be water baptized, make sure you pass that information to me as well so that we can get that on the calendar as well. Amen? I'm not finished. I am just rolling. And uh, members, real quickly, and, and members of our assembly on Wednesday night, we shared with you that there is a letter in the office. It's about several pages because it's dealing with an upcoming business meeting that we're going to be having. There's quite a bit of information there. I'm not going to go over here today, but we printed off 100. We have well over um, a lot more than 100 members, but husbands and wives, if you can just take one for right now. They're in the office. It's easy to see. It's right there on Lexi's desk. You can see it. Pick one up today if you don't mind. Take it with you, and uh, you can start the process of looking through that, and uh, then we'll have more information of that in the not-too-distant future. Okay, a couple of last things. I have uh, today a very special happy birthday to our daughter, Amber, who's not here, but it is her birthday. But it's also Dylan Allender's birthday today. So if you see Dylan, I don't see him. He's usually sitting right there. He's in the kids' church today. All right, so allow Miss Chelsea to be back up in the front and Aaron today, correct? So we're going to make sure when you see Dylan today that you tell him that we 
are hosting an entire dinner fellowship in celebration of his birthday today. So maybe if he comes in late, we'll let him cut, right? Maybe. We'll think on it. Um, and the last thing is, a few folks came in and helped us this past Thursday uh, set up and do some ad additional cleaning and stuff. And we're kind of possibly talking about uh, maybe putting together a little team on Thursdays. So just kind of planting the bug in your mind right now. Be listening for that opportunity for us because there's a little bit of changes that are, are going on around here. Sherry and I had the opportunity to watch um, the message and the sermon. Excuse me. We listened to the message coming back from Oklahoma last week. And, uh, but we were able to watch worship um, before the grandkids got too active and not allow us to, um, to hear. So when we were just driving back, we were able to finish listening to JoJo's sermon, his message about wet concrete being uh, impressionable. And um, so, but just real, real quickly, of course, JoJo and Miss Ann joined Shane and Candace. Um, uh, for a, uh, a vacation, for I think a combined vacation. And so Joe and Ann are on their way back today. Shane and Candace are staying, and then uh, Caleb and Gracie are en route. So they were taking about half of the worship team with them. JoJo is a wannabe worship team member. He's been for many, many years, and we just won't let him. We just, there are just some things we just hold him back on. And he's, he's honorable mention, and so he's probably, he and Miss Ann, I'm going to say might be listening in route, they're traveling back from the Gulf Shores today. And I wanted to say it was a very special, you know, you could hear JoJo's heart, his emotional, um, you know, telling you uh, his emotion that as he tells you about the changes that God has uh, allowed to take place in his life and his transition from being a, a full-time minister to the campus uh, at the Heber Springs um, High School, great, uh, middle school as well, and then also the, that the baton will one day in the not-too-distant future, be passed to someone else for youth ministry as well. And we'll keep you abreast of those things um, as, as those come forth. But the one thing I did want to mention, because I appreciated the, the, the... I wanted to be here, but with the surgery of our grandson, it just demanded that we make that trip. Um, and so I wanted to be here to just support Joe in that particular moment. But, you know, he was very emotional and very uh, appreciative of mine and his relationship and a friendship, and he said something, though, that I wanted to address just real quickly. He said, that, he said that he and I are not a lot alike. We're just really quite different people, though we've worked in ministry together for 20 years. And then I think he said something about how that he kind of noticed his life over a period of time kind of shadowing, you know, and six children. He was living in a similar subdivision where we lived for many years and uh, even wearing khakis and things of that nature and such from there. And the, what I want to address about that just real quickly, we live in a generation where there's a lot of people claiming to be influencers. Claiming. If you have to claim to be, maybe you're not. And I'll just let that go and let you think on that from there. That's all I got to say about that. But I could say more. Such as Shane was not a turkey hunter before I came into his life. And he didn't own a farm either. He's probably listening from the Gulf Shores as well. So, but nonetheless, slowly, slowly wear you away and influence you, hopefully, in a positive way. Today is a great day. It's a great day to be in the Lord's house. My heart is so stirred to minister the Word of God to you today because I'm going to start what I'm, what I'm calling a series for you. I'm calling it a series because that's kind of what the church world does. But it's more than a series. This is not just a sermon series that I'm bringing to you. 
This is a journey that I want to be on myself. Matter of fact, everything that I'm preaching to you today and in the weeks ahead is because these are things that if, if I was not the pastor of Heber Springs First Assembly and I was reflecting upon my own heart and life and where I am and uh, my communion and fellowship with God, I actually believe that I'd be doing the very, very same thing. And um, I do have uh, not a lot of scripture that I'm going to read. I'm not going to read an opening text today, but I would ask you to stand with me because I want to share with you the title of the series, and I'll change the title each week, not the title series, but a particular title for the message of that particular day. But there is a passage of scripture that I'm going to share with you where this is extracted from shortly. I won't do so even now to start, but it's the word of faith. That's the series title that I want to uh, call this, the word of faith. And I want you to just let that resound in your spirit. It comes to us from the Apostle Paul's pen. We will read it here in just a few moments where it is found. Many of you know it. You can quote it uh, under your breath, even as I have had it placed on the screen in front of you. And so for the next several weeks of time, we're going to be looking through the lens. We're going to broaden it. We're going to narrow it. We're going to do everything related to it uh, concerning the word of faith. The word of faith. And today, though, I want to take you here. Here's where I want you to go, and I'll ask you to go here with me. Now, don't, don't let go of this, the word of faith, because that's what's going to be a part of the entirety of where we're going to be. But we're going to go back. How many of you know sometimes you have to go back to the beginning? That you have to really say, I, I, I want to go back to where things perhaps commenced, to see it in its purest form. Um, so, that, so that I can hope and long and strive for something to be done in my heart and mind that God would commend as faith. How many of you know that when the Lord Jesus comes on the earth, the scripture says he's in searching for something. He'll be searching for something. He said it of his own words. He said, when the Son of Man comes, shall he find faith in the earth? Shall he find faith in the earth? I hope and pray that he finds faith in our heart and lives. I'm going to ask you to do something with me today, something that I chose to do in my own heart and life. I want to ask you, if you will, along this journey, if you can, fold your faith books up. I have many in my library. I have many that do not belong to me. People have given to me, loaned to me that are there, even when people knew that I was going to be ministering. But I'm not going to reference, and I'm not going there. I'm going to God's book. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to stay captured between Genesis 1 and Revelation 22. And it's from there that we're going to extract the things that hopefully will reawaken faith in our heart and lives. And one thing I want to ask you to do, I know we live in a generation where we don't have the uh, marker board or the chalkboard, uh, but I want to ask you to erase it. Erase the board. And so let's just say, let God write things fresh and new. Sometimes, and I've said this before, and I, I don't want to tell you where it was originally quoted at, but you have to unlearn what you have learned in order that that which is correct can be right on the tablet of your heart. And I want to encourage you to do so. But don't be afraid of conviction. Don't be afraid to acknowledge that we may have been wrong somewhere along the line. Don't be afraid to be able to say, God, I, I, I knew it, but then I didn't walk in it. And I repent of you before the Lord today. And so if you'll do those few things with me along the way, I really believe that you're going to say, man, Pastor Brown took us not on a sermon series, but we went on a journey, a journey of faith. A journey that could possibly change the trajectory of our church, that it could because we, we, we have, we've drifted somewhere. I'll, I'll say this last thing and then we're going to pray because I've kept you standing for some time. We've drifted too close to the camp of unbelief. As a matter of fact, if you want me to go further than that, I actually believe we've actually camped in the camp of unbelief. 
And what we've got to do is say, you know, back in ancient Israel, when the Spirit of God moved, it was time to move the camp. And, and I, I want to move the camp. I want to go. I want to go where he's taking us, from glory to glory, from faith to faith. Come on, somebody. From glory to glory, from faith to faith. So let's pray. Let's go back. So here we are. It's the word of faith. That's the, the overall arcing theme that's going to be a part of this series. It's going to be the part of it that we're going to uh, always hold to. But today we're going to go back to the beginning. Would you all pray a simple prayer with me that says, Let preaching come easy in the house today. And that also that your heart and mind would be receptive to the word of God. Father, I love you. I'm humbled to be amongst my church family. Humbled to be in this room. Today, God, I have chastened myself, repented before you, and yet also sat quietly before you, Father God, with pen and paper, God, and an open Bible, Father, to be able to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Father God, and also to me personally, and my part, my relationship with you and communion and fellowship with you. I pray today that all of us can do what I've already previously asked. For a few minutes today, Father God, for a few minutes today, God, help us to have the courage to erase the board and say, God, fresh and new, write on the fleshly tablet of our heart, God, the word of faith. Come on, somebody. Let the Holy Spirit, let these things be born of the Holy Spirit. God, not of man, not of denominationalism, but of the Holy Spirit, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and all of God's children said, amen and amen, and you can be seated. So I'm going to be honest just for a few moments and try to be transparent. Sometimes I have been commended and also guilty of being too far transparent before our church family. I think sometimes it's necessary. Sometimes you can go too far. But I, I have personally struggled and even wavered in faith as of late. Now, not in the faith as of my belief in God through Christ for salvation and eternal life. Thank God right today that we have this hope of eternal life that comes to us because we believe in Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. Correct? But I can be honest that I have, in relationship or relation uh, to the promises of God or even the power of God or walking in the fullness of the blessing of God through Christ, I have wavered some. And the reason being is because I have, have hoped and sometimes even rightly professed things that I've not yet possessed. And, and, and it's even more than possession, but my observation of others in our church family that have been in hope of some things, but at the same time we did not receive them. And it left me frustrated, and it left me uh, to the degree where I found myself, as I've confessed, drifting. What was I drifting from? I was drifting from core beliefs. Things that I believe, things that long ago I hid in prayer upon my heart and I trusted in the Lord. And I wanted to come back to a place where I said, God, make these things fresh and new in my heart. You know, the Apostle Peter said that we should stir up our faith by way of remembrance. And sometimes you have to find yourself doing this. I wanted to immediately confront unbelief in my heart and life. In the days ahead, I'm going to expose more of what unbelief is and how it can be couched and hidden. It can be hidden doctrinally. It can be hidden in theology. And, and, it, can, and it, can, it can eradicate faith in our heart and mind if we're not careful. Uh, it, can, it can spread like leaven. And, and it can, well, you can call it whatever you want to, but when we fail to believe God, whatsoever is not of faith is sin. And so we could call it whatever we want to, but, but if I'm not trusting God and I'm not believing God and I'm confessing unbelief and professing unbelief, uh, then, then, then I'm not pleasing to God. 
in that sense, the course of my actions. And the only way to correct that church family is to be honest and to, and to repent before the Lord and to be sincere in your repentance and to continue, and I don't want to say continue in repentance because you can continue to repent in unbelief, but continue in that spirit of repentance and simply saying, God, I want to, uh, in my heart and mind, give no place. I want no place until I have eradicated unbelief in my heart and mind. Today, I want to again take you to that place of the word of faith initially. That passage is found in Romans chapter number 10, verse number 8. It's in a very special context that I'll elaborate on for just a moment. But here, uh, and as we go into this, I want you to know it's not all doctrinal. Matter of fact, I'm not going to be doctrinal completely today. I'm going to establish a foundation of doctrine. But I have found that, that, that we can learn things by the narrative of Scripture. And if you'll stay with me, we're going to journey there in just a little while. But it says here, but what saith it? What saith it? The Apostle Paul is writing here. And he says, the word is nigh thee. It is even in thy mouth and in thy heart. Read it with me from the King James Version of the Bible. Your translation may not read it the same. uh, But it says, that is the word of faith which we preach. The word of faith which we preach. I just love the wording of it here. It's the word of faith. It's a word that carries faith. It's a word that can activate faith in the heart and the life of a believer. Now, as just a prelude very, very quickly, let me just tell you what's happened. From this particular passage of Scripture here in the 8th verse, an entire segment of the charismatic Pentecostal uh, body of believers, an entire faction, if you will, or segment of our body uh, of the Pentecostal movement uh, is labeled Word of Faith. And with that, I want to go ahead and say this today, just very quickly, uh, that in the beginning of this journey, I am in no wise, I am not commending that particular movement, neither am I here to criticize that particular movement. I'm wiping away the chalkboard today. I want to know what the scripture says. Not what a movement. Alton Garrison, the former district superintendent of the Assemblies of God in the state of Arkansas, reminded us preachers long years ago that the word of faith did not originate in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And we need to be reminded of that today. Because what saith the word, it says. He said it's in your heart and in your mouth. What is it? It is the word of faith which we preach. In this particular context here, if we were to read it on down, we would see in the 17th verse that the Apostle Paul tells us just a little bit more about how that faith arises in the heart of a believer. He says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Something that we have said many times, there's the power of hearing the Word. You can hear the Word through a lot of different ways. You can hear the Word when you read, right? You can hear the Word when you meditate upon the Word of God. You can hear the Word when you come into a room like this, and when, pre- when someone is bringing you a word of faith, then inside of you, as we have noted often, is the capacity to believe. I'll get to that in just a little while. And as the word of faith is going forth, it can stimulate faith in your heart and life. And so, but the, but the truth of the matter is, just hearing the word does not necessarily always produce faith in the heart and life of a believer. Because in this context, the greater context of Romans chapter number 10, the apostle is looking to ancient Israel, and he takes us into their rise and fall, their ups and downs during seasons and times when they heard the word, but even though they heard the word, they did not receive it in faith. And so we're going to try our best to look at it a little bit logically. We're going to look at it theologically a little bit, but we're going to look at it more practically than anything else. 
And before I just extract this eighth verse, this phrase, the word of faith, I'm going to keep it in its context for just a moment. If y'all don't care, give me just a little bit more monitoring right here. It will help me as I preach today. Because I'm in low gear now, but I will finish in fifth gear. So i got to pace myself just a little bit. And so with this, very quickly, the context of this is righteousness by faith. Paul has, throughout the book of Romans, has brought an argument to the people that righteousness is ascribed not by those who have kept the Mosaic law, every jot and every tittle, but by those that have put their faith, their ability to believe and to trust in the person who did keep the law. Paul has argued previously that we were all guilty before God, both Jew and Gentile. He's argued that there was not one righteous one among us. And he's brought brought them to the conclusion then that it is by faith in Christ that you are declared righteous before the Lord. Are you out there? And in this context here, he's taking that and he's developing even further that this righteousness is obtained when you exercise this thing that God has given us by faith. That when you put your faith and your trust in the redemptive work of Christ on the cross, then you are accounted as righteous before God. And that you, therefore, he even takes us a little bit farther, giving us a means of faith and how faith works. He shows us a little bit in the ninth and the 10th verse of how faith works. He says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, notice this, then you shall be saved. And with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So we hear the word, and then we believe the word, and then we confess the word. And he said, and in this context, faith has secured something for you. It has secured secured salvation. Come on, there's an old song. There's a new name written down in glory, and it's mine. Yes, it's mine. And then when you put your faith, did you know when I was a young eight-year-old little boy at Landmark Baptist Church, you've heard me tell this story, when I raised my hand in that children's church service to be saved, the leader there took me into a back room and set me in a particular desk, and it was there that he opened the Bible in front of me, and he took me to Romans chapter number 10, verses 9 and 10. And there, in a simple childlike faith, I heard the word, and then I received the word, I believed the word, and I confessed the word, and in that moment, I was saved, born again, born from above, born by the power of the Holy Spirit, and I possessed from that day forward the hope of eternal life. And that's the measure. That's what faith can do in the heart and life of a believer. And so in the beauty of this, we're not going to develop it fully today. We're going to come to it at some point in time. That's how faith works in almost every situation. You hear, you receive, you believe, you confess, you hold fast to your profession, and in God's sovereignty, you receive glory to God. Are you all out there today? Now, I love this here today a little bit farther in the 10th chapter, though, because, again, in order for you to hear, Paul then takes it further, and he says, in order for you to hear, he said, you have to have a preacher. It's a beautiful passage of Scripture here. He said, well, how shall they hear if there's no preacher? So he said, well, then somebody's got to be sent. So if somebody's sent, don't forget that if somebody is sent, the person who is sent has first to have had heard. So he can't just be sent Without anything, he has to have heard, and when he has heard, and it's worked in his heart and life, and faith has risen up inside of him, then he hears the word to go, and then in going, he brings what? What does he bring? He brings the word of faith. 
Come on, somebody. He brings the word of faith. And that's why the writer here, Paul, summarizes. And he says, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the good news of the gospel. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the truth of the gospel. God has developed and given to every man this capacity to believe. Every person has the potential within inside of them. As we all have lungs, therefore we have the capacity to breathe. God has in mankind vested within us an ability to believe. The ability within all of us to trust in God. To go even further to understand faith. If we look at the scriptures, we can see that faith to a degree has certain places where that perhaps is the definition of it. I'm going to conclude, though. I don't know if one definition brings us necessarily into full clarity. I think you have to look at faith in the overall picture. But in Hebrews chapter 11, I think the writer here does say this, that faith is the substance of what you have hoped for. It is the evidence of what is unseen. Now think on that for just a moment. It means I may not yet possess something, I may not yet physically possess it, but that Hope that I have is evident by my faith. And so I'm not in physical possession of it. And and even with that, let me just say this, that faith is not always about receiving. Many times faith is simply about doing. Sometimes faith is just about enduring, right? And so, so, so don't think for just a moment of time that I think that all faith is just about us receiving something from God, receiving something from God. No, sometimes God is giving us a measure of faith that we will go and do something. As a matter of fact, in that passage there in Hebrews 11, the majority of those who got their name written in the Hebrews Hall of Faith got their name there because they went and did what God spoke to them to do. Are you out there today? And so very quickly, so let me tell you what faith is. Faith is often my response to hope because hope is when I don't. The Apostle Paul argued earlier in Romans 5, I don't hope for something that I already possess. Right? Sherry and I have been married for 37 years. I'm not hoping for a wife. I have a wife. Come on, somebody. A beautiful wife at that. Come on, somebody. And so with this, I'm not hoping for one. And so, but in this context, if I don't have something, I hope for it. But then a lot of people are hoping for something, but they're not demonstrating faith that is revealing and validating that hope. Because if I'm hoping for something that I've not yet received, then by faith, I am developing and living my life giving demonstration of the hope that I possess. Are you out there today? So with this, I have to grow in it and say, God, let it grow within me. The writer here says, here's the reality for all of us. Without faith, you cannot please God. You cannot please God. If you're going to come to God, you must do what? You must first believe that He is God. Right? And that He is a rewarder of those who will diligently seek Him. Faith, the word of faith. I came today with the word of faith. Right? I came with today with the word of faith. As preachers, we have to be very careful of what we preach because some people can sow leaven, the leaven of unbelief, masking it as sound doctrine. When I began to evaluate this in my own heart and life, I began to think, and you look at your own life and you say, God of heaven, I don't know how long the Lord's going to. Uh, asked and, and, and for me to preach and empower me to preach. And I said, dear God, I don't want to be found guilty, number one, of preaching false doctrine. I don't want to stand before God one day and God burn up half of the sermons that I preach to the people of God. I don't want to have sowed things of heresy in the heart and mind of people. And so I want to be very, very careful. But I want to say this today. 
God forbid that the preaching that I bring to you does not stimulate faith in your heart and life. Right? Because let me tell you today, some people say, well, you're just, you know, giving people false hope. Well, I'll tell you what, that is the leaven of unbelief, just that statement alone. Because if you know anything about God, with God, all things are possible. And there's never a situation, if you are a child of God, no matter what situation of life that you may find yourself in, as long as you are walking in faith with God, all things are possible. As a matter of fact, those words are not mine. Those are the words of Christ himself uh, when he said, reminding the listeners of his generation, he said, with God, all things are possible. So in every circumstance of life, my prayer, I pray that I bring people the word of faith, and that is that you have hope, that you have hope, uh, that hope that you, can, that you can then begin to validate by the faith that you possess that with God, God's going to bring this and bring me through this, glory to God. He might turn this thing around, or he might give me the strength to work through it, or he might just simply eradicate it because of his grace and his power. And so, when you notice when you begin to do a study of faith, will you, did you know that the word faith only appears two times in all the Old Covenant? From Genesis 1 to Malachi 4, you will only find the word faith two times. But what you'll find more often is believing. So, I would say this, that the word believing then would be a synonym of faith. And so, what, if, if I was trying to develop it very quickly and broaden it, I'm going to show you where I think we can find the greatest place to see it here in just a moment. I think it's trusting it's relying upon. It's more than just believing in, but it's believing upon. Right? A lot of people believe in God, but they're not believing on God. They're not trusting in the Lord. They're not having faith in God. And so it's even knowing. It's being fully persuaded. We'll come back to that in a moment. It's the opposite of doubt. It's becoming fully certain. It's being confident. How about an assurance? Not confidence in yourself, but confidence in Him. Confidence in God. You hear it, you receive it, what is it? It is the word of faith. As you receive it, you believe it, and then you profess it, and then you act upon it. Let me just go ahead. I'm, I'm preaching way better than you are responding. We hear it. What is it? What are we hearing? The word of faith. The word of faith. When the preacher or whoever brings to you the angel of the Lord, the word of God brings to you the word of God to you, it's the word of faith, and you receive it, you believe it, you profess it, and then you act upon it. Let me tell you what faith is. It is a supernatural work of the Spirit of God wrought in the heart of the hearer. It's a work of the Spirit of the living God. Now, some measure of your willful response determines the effect of the word spoken. So remember Mary for just a moment. We're going to go back for a moment. Little Mary, whose virginal womb had never known, she had never known a man physically. But when the angel Gabriel appeared to her when she was just a little girl, or, you know, 14-ish age, somewhere, somewhere in her teens, the ability to possess a child, but she didn't know a man as of yet, so she had never uh, experienced uh, anything in that nature. And so when the angel of the Lord said, you're going to have a child, you know, her immediate thought was, how shall this be, for seeing I know not a man? But then the word of faith spoken by Gabriel said that the spirit of the living God is going to hover over you, over your womb, and the thing that is born inside of you shall be called the son of the living God. Remember what Mary said. She said, be it done unto me according unto thy word. And so what did she possess in that moment? She possessed faith. She heard the word. She received the word. Come on, somebody. She spoke the word of God, and then God honored the word. Are you out there today? And so with that, very, very quickly, Hebrews 4 says this, that hearing alone is not enough. 
You have to, it, we've all been given this measure of faith, and so the word of faith comes to us, but we have this capacity to respond to it. You have to mix what measure of faith you already possess with the word for it to become profitable in your life. You have to mix faith, and I won't go there today. I'm going to go there in two weeks. But I wanted to, as I was studying this out, and I was looking at the doctrinal aspect of it, and each week I'm going to bring you some doctrinal aspect, but I'm going to culminate in the practical application. But in, I had this heart on my mind, uh, this, uh, uh, this in my heart and mind as I studied. I said, God, I want to go back to the beginning. See if I could trace it back to where it originated. I don't even know that's important. Sometimes you just got, I need to go back. I mean, I, want, I don't want to see where I'm at. I want to see where it came from. What, what was it in its purest form? What was, it, what was in the heart and mind of God? So obviously for us to go back to the beginning, you know where we have to go? We have to go to Eden. And did you know, without it being noted of faith, there was faith in the garden. Now, I know there became unbelief as well because of the deception of the adversary. But initially, Adam and Eve heard the word. What did they hear? The word of faith. They heard the word. They responded to the word. And then they lived and acted upon that word. Right? The Bible doesn't say, and Adam by faith. But the reality is, for a time, both Adam and Eve walked in faith before God. God would come down the cool of the day and fellowship, commune with them, and tell them things. And when they would hear the word, they would respond to the word. They would hide the word in their heart, and then they would act upon it. But you and I know what happened there in Genesis chapter number 3. Through the subtlety of the serpent, Eve was deceived, and unbelief was sown in her heart and mind. You say, what well, unbelief? Yes, because she chose to believe the voice of the serpent rather than the word of God. And that's what unbelief is. Are y'all out there today? Tragically, Adam entered into willful transgression. A little bit distinct from that of Eve. So just a moment, we're going to go beyond that. So, so that was in the garden for just a moment. Obviously, though, they lost certain privileges, didn't they? They did when they were driven eastward out of the garden. But at the same time, if you'll study it closely, you'll still see that they still possess that measure of faith. When Adam knew Eve and they produced a child, that firstborn child was named Cain. And when she received the child, here's what she said, I have received this child of the Lord. So she's still possessing some measure of faith in her walk with God. Did you know who the very first person in Scripture that's accredited with faith is Abel? <laughs> Abel, Hebrews chapter 11 says, by faith, Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. So if we're going back to the Genesis, going back just outside the corridors of the garden called Eden, where man was driven eastward as a result of their transgression before God, and the second-born son of Eve is named Abel, and what it tells us in the writing of the book of Hebrews here, that he was declared righteous and he possessed faith because he offered a more excellent sacrifice. What's omitted, but we can presume is, is that he had been told by the Lord to bring a certain sacrifice. He heard the word, he received the word, he acted on the word, and it was accredited to him to a degree as being righteous or witness to his righteousness and testified of his gifts. That's what the writer of Hebrews concludes. And if you go a little bit farther, if we're going back to the Genesis, going back to the beginning, we see it was by faith that Enoch walked with God, the writer says. And then he said, by faith Noah moved with fear and prepared an ark. The writer of Hebrews is revealing the actions of these men to us, but he's revealing the action of these men thousands of years after these events have occurred. If we're going to look to the actual first person, though, who was accredited almost at the time of their action as that they trusted God, 
We're going to have to go to the Genesis, but we're not going to be with Abel or Enoch or Noah. We're going to go to a man named Abram. To a man by the name of Abram, we'll go to a man whose name was changed to Abraham. And there was a particular moment, just very quickly, that I want to show you. Say, where's the first time that anybody in Scripture, the writer of the book of Genesis, says that what this person had happened in their heart and what they did in response to the Word of God was that they received the Word of faith. It was in Genesis chapter number 15. Now, it already happened in the 12th chapter, but the writer doesn't uh, give credit to it in the 12th chapter of the book of Genesis. But the writer here in the 15th chapter of the book of Genesis, and it's worth going to today for a moment of time in the sixth verse here we see this and it says this and he Abraham believed in the Lord that's the first time in all the scriptures where someone has heard the word and obeyed the word that at the time here it is said of the writer writing about the person that in that singular moment they are actually believing in the Lord he's believing in God we're going to go back to the beginning He's believing in the Lord. And so if you look at it a little bit closer just for a moment with this person of Abraham, he then is called later the father of the faith. Did you know you and I, when we possess genuine and authentic faith in Christ Jesus, you know what we are called today? We are called children of Abraham by faith. Are you out there today? And so we're called children of Abraham. So Abraham demonstrated for us what faith. He demonstrated it in Genesis 12. He demonstrated it in Genesis 15. He demonstrated it in Genesis chapter number 17. He demonstrated it in Genesis chapter number 22. All of those, we're not going there today, but just in our heart and mind, we just have to take note of them, and we have to recognize that he displayed for us what faith is. And Paul looked back on it and summarized and gave us just a little bit of a detail. I've got to just read this to you for just a moment. I didn't give them those scriptures, but it, it was about every. Every particular act that Abraham did that was being accredited as faith, but it reveals to you and I about when we're walking in faith. Listen to what he said here about Abraham. It said this, against hope, he believed in hope. That even when others said it's hopeless, against hope, he still believed in hope. He held and protected the hope that was in his heart. That he might be what? That he might become the father of many nations. Why? Because God had spoke the word of faith in his ear and told him when he didn't even have a son, he didn't even have an heir, he said, you're going to have so many descendants. Go out and look in the night sky and number the stars if you can, if you can because he said, that's going to be the number of your descendants. And against hope, he believed in hope. Are you all out there today? Abraham did. And he was not, he goes on further, taking us to another passage. He said, and being not weak in faith in relation to when he would have his child, he said he considered not his own body. Sometimes you have to not consider the physical things that are around you. And you have to say, I'm going to go beyond my own inability, and I'm going to look to God's ability. That's what faith is. And then he said, I'm not even going to look at that my wife Sarah's inability to produce a seed. He, the Bible tells us that he was dead in his loins and she had no capacity within her womb to carry life. But the Bible said he didn't stagger in unbelief, but he was strong in faith, giving glory to God, believing that what God had said, that he was fully able and willing to perform. And that for you and I is just a little picture. If we need a picture for our heart to understand of what faith is. Faith is when you hear, and even though when it goes against all odds, all things in the natural, you don't consider the natural, you consider the supernatural ability of your God to do exactly what he said he would do, and then you begin to act upon what he said. My dear friend, that is faith. I don't know about you, but I want to walk in faith before God. 
I don't want to stand before God one day and say, Lee, not only did you lead the people in unbelief, but you walked in unbelief yourself. I want to be able to hear him say, but you walked in faith. You're a man of faith. Come on, somebody. That's my heart. That's my heart for you and I here today. In that same passage of Scripture, a promise was made to Abraham. I'm going to begin to transition this message to a way to make it a little bit more practical for us because I'm wanting us, now remember very quickly, let's back up. How many you know sometimes in life you got to take a step back? Let me look at what time it is. I am rolling. They give me plenty of time today. I'm just coming to the meat of the sermon here very quickly. you got to take a step back. I can't play the game. I can't play the game. I, I just, I, I, I will not be a, a hypocrite. I won't be, I don't, I'm not going to be somebody that is saying one thing and not believing something else. Are you out there? Uh, the Bible commends genuine faith, right? That's what I want. I want to have authentic faith in God, and I want my faith to mirror the faith that I found when I searched the Scriptures. Obviously, the greatest display of faith is Christ. In Christ and then the faith of Christ and then the faith that comes from Christ. Isn't that right? That's good, right? Our faith in Christ, the faith of Christ, and then the faith that we receive from Christ. We're going, that we're, he's getting saved for a little bit later today. Or, or not today, obviously, but in this, in this journey. I went back to the beginning. I wanted to go back. Where's this, where does it originate? Where is someone? In that moment when God to, came to Abram in the 15th chapter, and he reconfirmed to him a covenant, and a covenant is made that's the heart of that chapter. God forms a covenant with man. He promised Abraham of his descendants. He said, let me tell you what's going to happen to your descendants. They're going to become captives in a land that's not theirs. And they're going to be held in bondage for 400 years. But God said at the time that he made covenant with Abraham, God said, but I'm going to visit them. And I'm going to bring them out. And he said, I'm not just going to bring them out, I'm going to bring them in. How many know you serve the God that will bring you not only out, but he'll bring you in? Come on, somebody. He'll bring you in to the fellowship and to faith. And he said, what was he going to bring them into? He said, I'm going to bring you into a land that I have promised you that he had previously promised them. And that was called the land of Canaan. It was a land that was possessed by seven nations greater and stronger than the people of Israel hundreds of years later. But it was a land that's called the promised land. Are you all out there today? It was a part of a covenant that God was making with Abram on that particular day. That I'm going to bring your descendants. They're going to be hid in bondage for 400 years. But I'm going to bring them out. And one day, this land, Abram, that you have sojourned in. That you don't own the land that's under your feet. That your descendants are going to possess this land. Are you all out there? You know what that was to Abram? That was the word of faith. And Abram received it and he he believed in God and he said God said it and he's going to perform it. Come on somebody. Come on. He said God's going to do it. Glory to God. And did you know a little take us a little bit farther. If you'll see that word of faith was promised. The Bible tells us that God then passes that word of faith to his son Isaac. In Genesis chapter number 26, the Lord appears to Isaac and reiterates what the word of faith. Come on, somebody. He reiterates to him. And then a little bit later, almost if you will, that as generations are passing, that's a beautiful thing. You've got to pass the baton of faith. Come on, somebody. And Isaac then, perhaps Isaac's the first man that we're going to say preached the gospel. 
because Isaac called his son Jacob and he himself spoke the word of faith that had been spoken to him by the angel and he spoke this to his son Jacob before Jacob began his journey. Y'all know Jacob's journey when he left and went uh, and, and obtained a wife and possessions and Midian and, and so in that passage of scripture there, well if you even go further in Genesis chapter number 28 when we come to the most famous of passages when Jacob the grandson of Abraham has stopped on the first day of his journey and he's pillowed his head on a stone and there he's seen in the night's vision a dream of a ladder and angels ascending and descending upon the ladder. Y'all know that story. Most of you do. And it was there that God, what did God reiterate to Jacob? The word of faith that he had given to Abraham. He said, I'm going to bring you back into this land and your descendants are going to possess the land. And it was up to both Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to hear it and believe it and act upon it. And you know what? If you're going to go back to the beginning, nothing's changed. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And you believe it in your heart and you receive it and you speak it and then you act upon it. And then you see the hand of God. Come on, somebody. If you know anything about this story, (laughs) oh, it gets good. Let me take you into it to close the message here today for just a moment of time. So the story goes further. So I'm taking through several years, generations of lineages as we see faith. We see a baton of faith, the word of faith being passed from one to the other. So we know that Jacob eventually goes to Egypt. Don't forget what God had told Abraham in chapter 15. He said, your descendants are going to be held somewhere for four, how many know 400 years is a long time? 400 years to us, but not to God. Come on now. He said, they're going to be hidden here. So now with this, Jacob eventually goes because of the famine. Everybody's familiar. Most people are. Genesis 37 through 50, the story of Joseph being sent in front of God, of, of, of Jacob. And with this, and oh, it's going to get good. So y'all stay with me just very quickly. Got to see this today. And so Joseph then, as generations begin to pass, generations, as Joseph is about to die, he once again speaks the word of faith. He speaks it. He says, brothers, God's going to bring us into our own land. And don't leave my bones there when you do. And so then the Bible turns from the 50th chapter of Genesis to the first chapter of Exodus. Just like this. How many know a lot can happen with just a turn of the page? How many know a lot can happen in your life when God just turns the page? A lot can happen. The Bible says that all the people that came out with Joseph and Jacob died. And then another king arose who did not know Joseph. That's how quickly life can change for all of us. Everything can shift. And this particular king did not show the same favor that the Pharaoh did to Joseph. And he began to oppress the Hebrews. They're called the Hebrews at this time. Not necessarily as much of the Israelites. And the king began to notice, the Pharaoh began to notice that they began to multiply greatly. They had gone with 70 people. Jacob's household was 70 people in its entirety from the top of the clan to the bottom of the clan. But then they began to multiply. And they multiplied, and the Egyptians began to be jealous of them because they saw the blessing of God upon them, and they saw how, the group, they, how, how large their numbers grew. And when that began to take place, the Pharaoh said, he said, if, if war comes to our nation, they, they might side with our enemy. And so he began to oppress them. And he sent, set taskmasters upon them. And the Bible says that he made their lives hard with rigor and bondage. And then they began to lose all hope. They had no brighter day. The good land of Goshen was in essence stripped away from them. 
and life was painful and sorrowful, and they got up without hope every day of their life. They got up serving others. Anything good that was acquired in the field was not for their own personal gain or for their families, but it was for the king of Egypt. And it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a traumatic story. It's a powerful story. You have to read it on your own there in the book of Exodus. And, and then the, they begin to oppress the children. And then they begin to say, you know what, we've got to stop the birth, we gotta, we got to stop the, the population of the Hebrews. And so they called the midwives, killed the midwives, and that wasn't working out for them. And then they started telling, if there's a male child, uh, make sure the soldiers, whoever catches the male child, and make sure that the women they would keep, but for hopefully they thought for themselves, but for the men children, they would cast them into the river Nile. And it was at that particular time, the Bible tells us that there was a man of the son of Levi, the descendants of Levi named Amram, and his wife Jochebed, that they had at least their third child at the time when the commandment of the king was to cast them into the river Nile. When the Bible says that they noticed the child was a goodly child, come on somebody, a goodly child, and they hid him for three months, but I tell you what, it became dangerous to hide him any longer. And so it's a powerful story when his mother takes him down and puts him in a bulrush basket, pitches it on the inside with, 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 um, with pitch, and, and, and from there puts her child, who might be screaming, having just come off of her mother's breast or his mother's breast, and there puts a basket and the lid on it and places it in the reeds of the Nile in a place where Pharaoh's daughter often comes to journey and to wash and to lounge around with her with her friends when she hears the cry inside the basket and they open the basket and discover that it's a Hebrew child. It's a powerful story. It's a powerful story because I'm telling you, there's something about our awesome God that we can never forget, the sovereignty of God, that God can do things that will blow your mind. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that is at work within us. It's a powerful story. I would like to preach it. It's an awesome thing in a time of poverty because his elder sister Miriam had been watching all this unfold. And when the princess draws the little baby up out of the water, she doesn't have milk in her breast. And so little Miriam comes and says, hey, ma'am, excuse me, can I go get you a Hebrew mother and let her nurse the child for you? You know who she went and got? Y'all know the story. She went and got her own mom and her mother got paid by the Egyptian government to raise her child on her own breast and are you hear me today and preach the word of faith to him every time come on somebody in his little listening ears when he may have not even known what he was hearing the word of faith was being written subconsciously in his heart and mind and how do we know that because there came a time when he grew up that he realized that he was not an Egyptian what a traumatic day that was for him when he discovers he's not an Egyptian prince, but rather he's a Hebrew, and he ought to have been a Hebrew slave. And you know the story. I can't preach it all. It's a unique passage of Scripture there where Moses, when he thought that he would defend the Israelites, that perhaps God has... He's 40 years of age. He goes and visits. He leaves the palace, and he goes, and he discovers, you know, uh, that, that there's an Egyptian taskmaster oppressing one of the Hebrews, and he defends him by taking the life of the Egyptian taskmaster. And as a result, you know, he hides, him in the, he hides his dead body in the sand or hides his dead body in the sand. And then the next day he comes out. He's feeling justified in his course of action. And now he sees two Hebrews fighting amongst themselves. And he kind of gets in the middle of them a little bit. And he's trying to stop them. And one of them says, who made you our judge? Who put you over us? Are you going to kill me like you killed the Egyptian yesterday? And when that happened, he knew. He knew, wait a minute, this thing is known. And the Bible tells us, that when that happened, Pharaoh then tried to kill him. And Moses, the little baby that was taken out of the bulrush basket there in the banks of the Nile River, was then thrust into the desert. 
And he goes on a journey at least seven to ten days, and he hides there in the Midian Desert. And there he goes to a man named Jethro, and he eventually strips off his crown, strips off his Egyptian robe, and it's there he hides himself as a Midianite. And the Bible says this, he's content to dwell there. He's content to dwell there. But all that's happening, listen to this, all that's happening while Pharaoh continues to oppress the people. 400 years is coming to a close. And then after 40 years of being in Midian, perhaps that man Moses has forgotten about all of his dreams and his aspirations and he's just keeping his sheep. But I'm telling you, how many know God's a God of timing? Come on, somebody. God's a God of time, and it may not always be on your time. Because then the Scripture tells us that when Moses is on the backside of the Midian Desert, that he sees something that catches his eye. On a particular day, a bush begins to burn that's not consumed. And he leaves his sheep, and he gets a little bit closer. And when he gets a little bit closer to his sheep, he makes a supernatural discovery that the bush is burning, but it's not consumed because there is the fiery presence of an angel of God who is speaking the word of faith on behalf of the living and one true God. And when Moses got near, the angel of the Lord spoke to him and said, Moses, Moses. Moses, and he said, here am I. And he said, take off the shoes or the sandals that are on your feet because the ground around you right now has been sanctified and is sacred ground. And Moses, in fear, takes his shoes off in the presence of Almighty God, and so would you. And do you know what happened on that fateful day? On that fateful day, the shepherd, the former deliverer of Egypt, who's now a shepherd, who walked away from all of his aspirations and dreams, who gave up the thought that he would ever one day be used of God, heard the audible voice of Almighty God speaking through the angel. And you know what the angel told him? He brought him the word of faith. Here's what he said to him. We'll put it on the screen. But he said, I am the God of Abraham, and I'm the God of Isaac, and I'm the God of Jacob, and I have heard the cry of the people. I have heard their cry, and I have come down to deliver them. Glory to God. And Moses, in that moment of time, stands in awe of the presence of Almighty God. Look at that eighth verse for just a moment. I think I gave you that one. Here's what he said. I've come to deliver them. And listen, look at this. Wait a minute, Pastor Brown. This is the word that had been spoken to Abraham 400 years earlier. How many of you know today the word is eternal? If God spoke it, he will bring it to pass he said I'm come down and I'm going to bring them out that I might bring them in and Moses is trying to process all this and there's so many elements to it I can't preach it all today or I'm going to wear you away but the good thing is you don't have to beat anybody to the church or to the restaurant today because we've got it provided for you are you out there and so to bring this what what are you doing all this for Pastor Brown because I got to give you more than just the doctrine of faith You need to see faith in action so that you can identify with it and how it works in your heart and life. And in that moment, the third and the fourth chapter is a, I'll tell you, it's a unique chapter because here's a man who argues with God. I could identify because I try to mask mine a little bit more religiously than perhaps uh, Moses does, but I've argued with God. Because in my fear, in my uncertainty, trying to couch it, Wait a minute, send me? That's what Moses said, send send me to who? Back to the people that you left. 
the Hebrews that are in Egypt under the taskmaster's rod. And he said, well, if I, even if I did go, who am I going to tell sent me? Sent me. He said, you tell them that I am has sent you. You tell them that I am. That's all you got to do. Tell them it's by my name. It's my name forever. I am. Well, if, if I go, that, 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 they're not going to believe. Well, if I go, they're, they're not going to believe. Well, what am I supposed to do? He says, is there a rod in your hand? He said, that's yeah, a shepherd's rod. Cast it on the ground. He cast it on the ground. It became a serpent. He said, pick it up. The Bible says he had fled from it. Shot that guy Mosia right out of there. The Lord said, no, pick it up, and picked it up by the tail, and it became a rod again. He said, with signs like this, you're going to convince the people that I am fulfilling the word that I promised the people 400 years earlier. Moses is like, I don't know that I can, I don't even speak good. I can't even, I'm not even a good... I'm not even a good preacher, he said. I, who am I? Who am I, he said. And finally, God, how I many know you can argue to the point where God gets frustrated at you and your unbelief? And finally, he said, listen, he said, I'll make a way for you. He said, your brother Aaron is going to meet you because I'm going to make sure he knows about this meeting. And he said, he's going to meet you. And, and, and he said, he can speak well. You'll be like a God to him. He'll be the preacher you whisper in his ear what I'm whispering in yours. What are they whispering? What are they, what are they passing? The word of, come on somebody. Moses, you put your ear here. Get it in your heart. You speak it in the ear of Aaron. Aaron will hear it in his ear, and then he'll speak it to the people, and we're going to trust the people are going to believe. And so Moses, a reluctant preacher. How beautiful, Paul said, are the feet of them, sometimes preachers, reluctantly. But how many of you know it doesn't matter if God's anointing is upon our life, the word of faith is going to go forward. And Moses becomes convinced that God has called him to go back. How do we know? Because he did, and that's why it's why faith. He didn't just hope. He didn't just ponder. He acted upon what he heard. So here's where, I, as I come to a close today, to bring this all and fold this together. You said, Pastor Brown, you said you're just going to be in fifth year. I'm not finished. So. It's a powerful thing that takes place in the fourth chapter. I don't think I gave them any of those scriptures, so I don't want them to put them there as of yet. Don't turn those up there just yet. Moses makes his journey with his wife, with his two sons, back to Egypt. We're going to close the narrative off today before he stands before Pharaoh. But he meets Aaron, and he tells Aaron what God said to him at the burning bush. And then he displays the signs in front of Aaron. And Aaron's heart leaps with faith. Come on, somebody. That's what the word of faith will do. I know that unbelief can spread like leaven, but how many know so can faith? And so now, and now Aaron... Is believing that God is ready to do something. And so what they had been given instruction by the Lord to call leaders together. And in calling the leaders together, they would share what had happened at Midian at the backside of the burning bush. The backside of the mountain with the burning bush. And this is the way it unfolds in my eyes. 
The meeting is a gathering of elders, but it's bigger than elders. It's broader. It was perhaps a con- there's probably several hundred of thousands of Hebrews at this particular time. Not everyone could attend. The Egyptians would not have allowed that to take place. But a number of them would have gathered in an outdoor area, probably with watchers watching to make sure that none of Pharaoh's soldiers could see and hear. And it was there that Moses attempted to share the experience that had taken place with him in Midian. And Moses began to try to speak, but he was not eloquent. And he even began to look fearful. And he began to be a little bit nervous. And he looked over, and he knew it was time for him to pass the baton to his brother Aaron. And Aaron took the podium. And Aaron said, Brothers and sisters, my dear brother Moses has been on the backside of the mountain for these last 40 years while we have been in oppression and under the hand of Pharaoh. But I want you to know, brothers and sisters, today that the God of Abraham and the God of our father Isaac and the God of Jacob, that God has heard our cry and he has come down now to deliver us. Yes, brothers and sisters, I want you to know that we have a brighter day coming. There's a brighter day when the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob is going to fulfill his good promise made to us. Get ready, get ready, get ready because we're getting ready to get out of here because God who cannot lie is going to fulfill his good word and we are going to see it in our own eyes. And the people, look at this. I want you to see it in the scriptures here today before I close. In Genesis, or excuse me, Exodus chapter number 4, look at these last two verses here. In the 29th, I believe it is, or the 30th and the 31st verse, it says they were called together, and Aaron spoke to the people all the words that the Lord spoke unto Moses, and he even demonstrated it with signs and wonders following. And when they heard the word of faith, the Bible says that the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord was visiting his children, they looked upon and looked upon their affliction they bowed their heads and worshiped because the word of faith spoken to their father Abraham had not been forgotten by almighty God and I came along to tell you today the good word that God spoke to you the word of faith that you heard long years ago the promise that God made to you the revelation that he made known to you I want you to know today that God will still fulfill his word don't give up hold fast to your profession of faith because God is faithful to his word glory to God come on somebody are you out there today oh I love old A.A. Ron for just a moment of time A.A. Ron's got a little preacher in him that Moses didn't have come on somebody are you out there today I know I'm preaching to a white church in here but that's all right there's a little A.A. Ron locked up in me I'm all right with that 
Come on, somebody. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying today? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. I know that I could give you all this doctrinal things and we can layer and you can buy this book and buy that book, but there comes a moment in your life that you just simply have to peel it all away and go back to the beginning and go back to the place where faith originated. Go back to the place where God looked upon the heart of a man that said, I believe God. I consider not the deadness of my own body. I will trust the Lord against all odds. God is faithful. What He promised, He will perform. And you begin to align yourself with that. You begin to repent of unbelief. You begin to say, God, if you did it once, you'll do it again. You're not a man that you should lie. Your word will not return to you void. If I have ever heard the word of faith in my ear and it was written on the tablet of my heart, even though I've yet to see it, there will come a day and there will come an hour when the God of all grace will bring it to pass for his glory and for your good. Glory to God. In Jesus' name. And the people said, Amen and amen. Faith. Are you hearing me today? Faith. Are you willing to do what I'm doing? Strip it all away. And say, God, I want the authentic faith. I want the faith of Abraham. I want the faith that was passed. I want to walk in faith. Come on, somebody. Am I calling Aaron up or or Daryl up today? Looks like it's A.A. Ron. Oh, how fitting. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah, I need it. But I'm usually way ahead of the church family. They ain't quite there yet. I'm, I'm slowly working in on them just a little bit. Come on, somebody. Let's go back to this and let's wrap things up today. It probably means more in my heart and mind than it does yours, but I try to visualize that moment. Here's what I do. I want you to think about what took place. Aaron has finished his sermon the people have bowed their heads. <laughs> they worship before God. But see, I don't end the story there. I don't end the narrative. Here's the way I feel. I try to see the fathers. Let me come down for just a minute. Who go back home. And the moms. And the fathers. Probably the men first. And then the moms. But when the fathers came. And pulled the wife. And told them what they had just heard. And the look in her eye when she heard the word of faith. Are you hearing me today? She's living in an impoverished land of Goshen. Her children have no hope, no future. She's a slave, they're going to be a slave. But now, the word of faith has brought hope. They can bring their children in. And look them in the eye and say, we got to get ready. God's about to do something. In their heart, they begin to say, wait a minute. This cycle of bondage can be broken. Slavery can be broken. One, I could see the dads. I could, this is just the way my mind works. I could see the dads saying, we're going to have our own field one day. It won't be Pharaoh's field. It'll be my field. I'll sow in that field and raise crops for my family, not for all of Egypt. And the moms could say, we're going to have our own house. Where one day we'll pass and we'll pass that to our children. I could just see them begin to talk amongst themselves. It's a, it's a land that flows with milk and honey. It was made to our father Abraham. God gave it to him by an oath. 
And now God's going to fulfill that oath. Let me tell you that. You know what word of faith does? The word of faith brings hope when you hear it. It brings hope. That moves me. Now, I know that faith then again has to undergird that hope. And faith has to be the demonstration of that hope. But I just thank God. God forbid that my preaching doesn't create hope in your heart and life every week. If my preaching doesn't create hope in your heart and life, then I've not brought you the word of faith. The word of faith. Church family, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or think. If we're willing to strip it all away, what I mean by that, all the right thinking, wrong thinking, theology, all the teaching from Springfield, Missouri, or Tulsa, Oklahoma, all of that, and say, you know what, That's, I'm not worried about that. I'm not trying to be assembly of God. I'm not trying to be charismatic. I want to be a man or a woman of faith. I want to be a person of faith. I want to walk in faith. I want to live in faith. I want to respond to people in faith. I want to give glory to God in faith. Come on, somebody. And the people just worshiped. They just stood in awe at what they had heard. They stood in awe of what they had heard. It just moved on their heart. I feel like that could happen in our church. I do. I believe that could happen among us today. I'm going to ask you to do something with me for just a moment of time. Uh, there has been at least a couple of people that has asked me to pray with them here at the altar here in a few moments. And I want to do that with anyone. But I'm going to go to two things quickly today. Have you, have you received a word of faith, a revelation by the Lord of something that God spoke to you, quickened in your heart, and it might have been long years ago, and it just hasn't come to pass? If that's you, I want to just ask you to be courageous enough. Slip your hand up today. Is there anybody here today? There's still some things in my heart. Of a word of faith. I, I would be wrong. I, would, I think there would be a lot more of this if I was just being honest. It just takes courage. It takes courage to lift your hand up in a public setting. But what you're saying is, you're, you're, you're saying, God, I'm still acknowledging it. I'm still recognizing it. It was spoken. It was quickened. It was made alive. The Lord brought this into my heart, and yet I haven't seen it or received it. Today's sermon was about today was to remind you that the word of faith lives on. It's alive. Trust in the Lord. Don't give place to unbelief. Believe that if God spoke it, he'll bring it to pass. Come on, somebody. I want to ask everybody to stand up with me today for just a few moments. And in this journey, if you need to be sitting back down, you can. First thing I want to do, Father, I thank you for the meal that we've just received. I preach a long time, but I've kind of grown to the place where I preach it unapologetically. Because the people need it. They need it. They'll be on Facebook for a long time. They need to have their book in the face for this time. So today, God, in Jesus' name, or their face in the book, I should say, in this sense. So today, God, I do want to thank you for the meal that we're going to receive. And bless our time of fellowship. Number two today, all the people that raised their hand a moment ago, let's take a moment to pray. But that's not the end. That's not where faith ends today. But Father, every person that raised their hand... You know their situation. You've seen them in Midian. You've seen them in the bondage of Egypt. You've seen them separated from time, by time and space from when the promise was made. And they're not yet in the place where it's going to be received. 
And Father, I know that they need to, patience becomes a part of it. I'll talk about that in the days ahead. But God, I'm praying today, Father, in the name of Jesus, that they won't stumble in unbelief. Come on, somebody. The one thing that we can say about Abraham, the word of God said to us today, Abraham staggered not in unbelief. God, help us to hold fast our profession of faith without wavering, for God is faithful that promised. I want to ask you today, quickly, this is very personal, who here today would just simply say, Pastor Brown, I'm willing to go on this journey with you. I'm going to wipe it all out. Just, just move it out of the way. And I want God to just re reveal, if you will, the word of faith to me. That he'll speak the word of faith through his word. It'll be made alive. And, and I'll learn. I'll, I'll grow. I'll, walk, I'll hear. Pastor, I'll go with you on this journey. If that's you, slip your hand up. I want you to, I'm, I'm asking you today, just like Israel of old, Moses through Aaron preached to the people. The people stood up, bowed their heads and worshiped. And the Bible plainly says they believed the word spoken. Did y'all hear that today? They believe, do you believe the word spoken today? Do you believe the word of faith is near you? It's in your heart. And it's in your mouth. That is the word of faith which we preach. The word of faith which we preach. God, thank you for it. Help us to journey. Let us be quick to repent of unbelief. And to become men and women of faith. May our testimony become people of faith. People of faith. As Paul writes in the third chapter of the book of Thessalonians, Thessalonica, he writes to the community of faith there. He says that your faith might be perfected. Perfect that which is lacking in our faith, God. There's much lacking in our faith, God. Perfect it. Perfect it. And God, as the pastor of this assembly, I pray they will journey with me. I pray they will journey with me. I pray they'll walk this journey with me together. We'll go. We'll go. We're going to move the camp. God said, move the camp. You've been camped in the camp of unbelief. God said, move the camp. I want to take you to greater places where my glory, my, where my, my word is made known to you, where you will see, you'll hear. God said, move the camp. I'm moving. I hope you're going with me. I'm moving. I'm going. I'm going there. I, I, I don't want to be camped in the camp of unbelief any longer. I want to be camped in the camp of faith. I want to go where he says go. You're here today. You say, in this atmosphere of faith, I've just got something in my heart and life that I need God's grace in today. God's grace. Pastor Brown, would you anoint me with oil today and pray with me about this matter today? Then that's what we'll do. And when those of you that come forward in just a moment of time, at that particular time, if others want to come, they will join us. And if others need to go get children and commence, just like I said, that's what we're going to do. Or if others just want to remain in this atmosphere here today, we're going to let multiple things happen. But if you're here today and say, Pastor Brown, would you pray with me today? And I want to ask you to come forward. It takes faith to come forward. I want to ask you, if that's you, come forward today. Say, Pastor, before you close the service, is there anyone coming today? 
the little sister over there, and she might need help right there for just a second. She's coming, or I might go to her. I'm going to come. I'm going to go to right where she's at today. Is there anyone else today? The people. Thank you right here today. The journey of faith. Come on, somebody. Amen. We're trusting the Lord. I want to ask you, church family, listen. Listen, work some things out for a few minutes. Work some things out before God. I'll tell you, the thing that I learned a long time ago as relationship to my communion and fellowship with God is don't try to hide anything from the eyes of him that sees everything anyhow. You can mask it and call it anything you want to, but I've been quick to call it unbelief in my heart because I want to eradicate it. I want to believe God. I want to believe God. Abraham staggered not, and he believed God, correct? Come on, somebody, amen? If you need to be seated, if you need to go, children, whatever that case might be, Lord, we're trusting the Lord, aren't we? We're praying with Megan today. We're laying hands on her today in Jesus' name. God, to stir up a stimulus of faith, God, in the name of the Lord. that your faith might rise within you. That's what you needed to hear the word of faith today. God moved you by his spirit to be here today so that you would be confronted by the word of faith, by the word of faith, by the word of faith. Isn't that right, Jody, by the word of faith, by the word of faith. We've been joining our faith with yours, Jody, and we're going to continue to do so in the name of Jesus on this journey of faith that God has had you on. It's been a journey. It's been like Moses on the back of the Midian Desert. There's been some things that's been stripped away from you. But in the process of that, the real you's emerging. The real you's coming forward. The real you. The Bible says that Moses, he was the meekest man on the face of the earth. When he thought that he could conquer Egypt, he was arrogant, trusted in himself. By the time God found him on the backside of the Midian Desert, God had time and stripped all of it away. Like the song said, it was stripped away. It was there that God met him in Jesus' name. In the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord. Church family, I want to ask you to join your faith in that right. Sister, we're praying for you today in the name of Jesus. We're praying for her today. She said, she's, this is the sister that said, would you just lay hands on me today? Got to lay hands on my sister today in the name of Jesus who came to this house that her faith might be encouraged, God. That are faith, God, in the name of Jesus, God. Father God, I pray, Lord, God, give her the very desires of her heart today, the thing that she's hoping for, God, and even longing for, Father, in the name of Jesus. She's received the word of faith, God. We're praying, Father, that you will give it to her this day in the name of Jesus, God, today. The word of faith, the word of faith. Let it be near you, sister, in your heart and in your mouth. Above all things, God, I pray for my sister. God, today for the spirit of joy, the spirit of joy in Jesus' name. Even though there's been a physical part of your life where you've been kind of bent over, but it's even more than that. Your spirit has wilted some. Your spirit has wilted. And God speaks a word of faith to you today, a word of encouragement today. In the name of Jesus, let her spirit rise within her today, God. 
Father, give her joy, God. Father, renew her joy. Renew her sense of joy, God. Renew her that sense of hope. Give her hope today, God. Hope. Hope, I pray, over her today, Lord, in the name of Jesus today. In Jesus' name, God, we thank you today. It's the word of faith. Isn't that right, Marie? It's the word of faith. It's the word of faith. We're going to hold fast to it. Hold fast. My word to you today to exhort you in Jesus' name is hold fast to your word of faith. That's what, I'm going to get there. I'm not there today, but it hold fast. It's the prelude. Hold fast. Hold fast to the word of faith, for God is faithful that promise. Hold fast to it. In the name of Jesus, give no doubt, unbelief, none of those things in, penetrate into your heart and mind. Cast them down by the work of faith and by the work of the Holy Spirit, God, today. In Jesus' name, God, the work of faith, the word of faith, Father. I anoint with all my brother today, God, in the name of Jesus, God. The thing that he's longing for, hoping for, God, meet him new and fresh in this moment. Meet him new and fresh, God, in Jesus' name. Let the work of faith, the word of faith be in him today, God, in the name of Jesus. Come on, church family. We're praying together as a covenant family of faith, a covenant family on a day in which the pastors preached a long time, which is part, of course, for him. But in Jesus' name, Father God, we're trying to be as honest as we can. We're not going to play the game. We're not going to say, well, this is what it ought to look like. This is what, no, God, we're going to say, Father, according to thy word, according to thy word, the word of faith. God, the word of faith, let it be near us in our heart and in our mouth. That is the word of faith which we preach. Let us believe in our heart and confess with our mouth and learn, Father, of these things. And let us then begin to live by faith in Jesus' name. In the days and the weeks and the months ahead, God, I pray, take us deeper. Even now, I can see tents being folded up. Even now, I can, I can feel the strain of the bustle of moving the camp. Even now, God, I, I can see the tension that takes place because we've acclimated to where we've camped, camping in unbelief. Father, but give us the courage, God, to follow the cloud. Give us the courage to follow the cloud, the cloud, Father, in Jesus' name. Father, I pray, Lord, today by the Holy Spirit, give us the willingness to fold things up, pack things up, and move where you're moving, God. Father God, you're looking for a people of faith. You're not looking for a religious people. You're looking for a people of faith, a men and women who believe the word of faith. God, I pray that we will journey together. We will endure the tension of transition. Come on, somebody. We'll endure. I feel the prophetic word right there. We will endure the tension of transition to get to where God would have us to go and to be whom God has called us to be. So, Lord, today... For today, and for today only, I fold this up. I tuck it away, and I'm going to walk away from it. The word of faith, we went back to the beginning. But God, we're going to keep going. We're going to keep learning. We're going to keep hiding this word in our heart and speaking it with our mouth, God. That is the word of faith. In Jesus' name, and all God's children said, come on, somebody, amen, and amen, and amen. Listen, love.